For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Believe in Vikings with BMAC and Baker. We got a big panel tonight headlined by Jordan Reed, who works for ESPN, a lifelong Viking fan who has graduated to the ranks of ESPN to analyze the draft alongside Mel Kuyper and those dudes. We've got him for about 45 minutes to pick his brain on Vikings topics, some of the NFL draft stuff on the whole. You know the drill. Also called Brian McKinney. He's a Super Bowl champion. Ron from Mean Prairie. Sally is back from Minneapolis. And Cody from Texas, a, a draft brain, fantasy football brain. He's joining us as well. We're going to break down all the purple stuff as the draft is just two nights away. First, however, per usual, we're going to talk about our sponsor, which is betonline.ag. Our partners in BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's future props. Don't forget the Major League Baseball is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? You can bet on that on betonline.ag. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and use this promo code B-L-E-A-V. It's how we spell believe, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the games start. Jordan Reed, you were on one year ago, and you are back on two nights before the draft. How are you, sir? Good. It's a pleasure being back. I always enjoy talking Vikings with you guys. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a Vikings-themed show, as you could have guessed, and we're going to go, we got a big panel here tonight, and uh, we're going to uh, go through several questions about the Vikings and the draft, and I'm going to go out of the gate. You probably have heard these before, so if we get on your nerves, just, just go with us. My first uh, my first one's on Kellen Mond, uh, and I want to know in your estimation, uh, he seems kind of like the, the lost man in the group on the Vikings roster. I don't know if it's because Zimmer didn't care for him or blah, blah, blah. But where would you rank him in this draft class based on your criteria? Would he would he be a Matt Corral type or is, would he be even lower than that if he was in this group? Oh, he'd probably be lower than those guys. And I actually liked Killamon when he was coming out. But the phrase that I have constantly used with him is that he was consistently inconsistent during his time at Texas A&M. And if you notice, accuracy is the thing that always worried me with Killen. Um, but he was very young, even though he was a four-year player when he was at Texas A&M, he was 21 years old. So you very rarely see that, especially when a quarterback that's a four-year starter, somebody that's 21 years old coming out. But he just looked so different in so many games, like he played well against LSU and some others. And then there were some games of where he just looked really, really bad. So um, I think it's just a confidence thing with him right now. And I was happy to see Kevin O'Connell come out and say some positive things about him just because 
it just seems like the last regime, they just didn't have a lot of glow, overly glowing things to say about him when talking about him. So having that type of backing for a new regime, maybe he can look like a different player this year. Okay, so Vikings fans shouldn't necessarily write him off. No, I mean, obviously he's not going to be a starter over Kirk <laughs> Cousins, but as far as being that number three guy, I think he can be that. Okay, fair enough. Sally, what do you got for our guy, Jordan? Well, you come out the gate with the controversial <laughs> Kellen Mond question. I simply it. just wanted to ask Jordan what he's been up to since the last time we saw him. He's had a little bit of a career shift. So, yeah, Jordan, just tough fill us in with what you've been up to. Yeah, it's been a, a bit of a struggle transitioning to ESPN mid-draft season. I started officially with ESPN November 1, so... Just a blessing to be here working alongside Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, Matt Miller. It's just a great situation to be in with those guys. Never even dreamed of being in a situation like this so early in my career. But working with those guys has been a blast. Being alongside Mel, of course, who I consider the godfather of the NFL draft. It's been pretty cool working with him every day, Todd McShay as well. So it's just a great situation to be in. Ron, what do you got? <clears throat> Well, you know, I'll kind of continue with that. Well, first of all, congratulations on making the move to ESPN when we had you on last year. Um, I know you're at a different venture. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but before we had Nate Burleson on, or we had Nate Burleson on, and he wasn't on CBS Good Morning, and then he was after. So I don't know, maybe we just catapult careers even more. So uh, believe in Vikings <laughs> and the Brian McKinney can take some of that uh, <laughs> that kudos there. Um, but anyways, um, so working alongside Mel Kuyper, obviously you said you call him the godfather. And I think most people do, no matter what they think about his opinions. I mean, the dude has been around for, you know, what, 30, 40 years almost doing that job. And now every network, every NFL site has their own Mel Kuyper. And that's what it, what it's all based on. What is it like working with someone like that where th that's what he is? It's like bracketology with Joel Lenardi, where it's the one guy kind of started it all. And now you have to bring in your um your expertise and your thoughts into it to be able to mold well with him but also be unique enough to give a different light well it's great and with Mel, he's just an encyclopedia of information like there isn't anything that he could forget like he could tell you how many pancake blocks b-mac had his freshman <laughs> season like at miami like he could tell you <laughs> little things like that so there's just so many different things that he can brings to the table and Mel doesn't forget anything. Like I said, he's just a wealth of knowledge. Everything that he's been through, all the experiences, he's just been an open book and a guide to everything. But he's also welcoming to new ideas, fresh perspectives as well, especially with the NFL draft changing in so many different ways. Mel has done a really good job of changing with those trends. He's not somebody that's just my way or the highway, like a lot of times you see with older evaluators. So that's the great thing about Mel is that he's welcoming and he's open to all new ideas as well. Also, is is his hair real? You don't need to answer yeah. if you don't want to, but <laughs> it is real. <laughs> I can't confirm. <laughs> Got it. Hey, B Mac, it's been a couple of weeks since we've talked to you or done the show in general. We had some scheduling snafus, and when we were scheduling this program with Jordan and whatnot, you said you were on, uh, you're heading to California for America's Got Talent. Can you break that down for us? Yeah, so you have an NFL choir, and um, they keep calling me back, <laughs> and they got really? scheduled up there. A choir? <laughs> yeah, it's a whole NFL okay. choir. Okay. Okay. So at the during Super Bowl, they always have an event like an NFL gospel event, and I've been a presenter, and I've probably been in the choir a couple times too. But um, during COVID, we did something, and then they called again. 
for America's Got Talent. And the crazy part about it is I the initial email I got was I thought we were just like doing a guest pop-up. <laughs> Why did I find out like the day of <laughs> we're contestants? We're like we were auditioning. So yeah. Who are some other names that are in this choir? Tommy Harris was supposed to be there, so I think he may join us. Um, if we ever have to go back, we got, uh, you know, we do it again or whatever. But um, you know, it's crazy. It's like a lot of the guys, I don't really know. Like you may, y'all play them, but I never played. But I don't remember <laughs> playing against any of them. <laughs> but I mean, everybody had to say who they played for and everything. Some played the same time as me. I just wasn't familiar with a lot of people. And you're when still not familiar. <laughs> Apparently, you're no, still not familiar. Like, you know, four or five days, there's a guy <laughs> named Nick Roach. Defensive lineman, right? Or linebacker, something like that? Linebacker, yeah, to play for Chicago. So I was like, oh, okay, because I played against you. <laughs> um, there was Wasn't a memorable. Guys. There were some guys who, who played now named Isaiah. I don't remember everybody's last name because they were saying by their first names. Like, so Isaiah played for Buffalo Bills right now. Uh, there was a couple guys. Mackenzie, wide receiver, probably. Oh, okay. little guy from, from Miami. <clears throat> Just so happened. So they had you come on there, but you didn't like get to rehearse first because you no, didn't know rehearsed. what you were going on. We oh. I thought we were just doing like a guest pop up from like the end. Oh, the NFL choir is going to do like a guest pop up. Oh. That's what I thought we were doing. So we had rehearsed. Mm-hmm. We had um, a couple of rehearsals. Like I had, they had one in Atlanta, but the day I left Atlanta, I had to go to Jersey. So I watched it on Zoom. And then we had some when we got to LA. But I still, the initial email that went out was made it seem like it was like a guest pop up thing. Did the episode she said, she air? Another email. I, I didn't see the second email. I only seen the first one. So where it changed because now I wasn't the only person who wasn't aware because <laughs> I was like, uh... wait, because <laughs> um we met Terry Crews and he was talking about getting like guesses and everything and I'm seeing like like guesses for what <laughs> like <laughs> they were just guests on here like you know and then it ended up being a little bit more than that. So did the episode already air? No. Okay. When when will that air? <laughs> Ron wants to know. Sure. Somebody said like in August, but it may be before that too. I'm not oh sure. Oh my I'll, I'll, God. I'll find, when I find out, I'll let y'all know. How yeah. can we wait till August for this? <laughs> Just when I thought that that your life couldn't get even more interesting, B-Mac. You come out and you're singing in a choir <laughs> and America's Got Talent. <laughs> right. Like a big talent show. <laughs> wow. Who are the judges? We can get back to... Um, I'm just Simon, fascinated Simon by Simon was one of them. Simon was there? Um, okay. Howie, uh, he was sick that day. So it was only three judges that day instead of four. It's only four. Um, um, I don't know who else is on there. Sharon Osborne. Heidi, Heidi Klum is one. Oh, yeah. And um, it was some other some other lady I'm not wasn't familiar with. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll have to call in and vote for you. Yeah. Yeah. You, you keep us <laughs> scheduled on the, the air date. Yeah. Because I guess when you start to think of it, August really isn't too far away. As scary as that is. <laughs> which is a good thing for football purposes. Cody, in Texas, your first time on with Jordan Reed. What do you got for his draft brain? What's up, Jordan? Big fan of your Vikings work over the past couple of years. And then uh, definitely your work you're doing right now with ESPN. I got a couple questions, but I'm going to try to keep it short. Why is there not more love on Desmond Ritter? Uh, I don't know if this is a smokescreen, but we know he ran a 4-5. I personally have him over Malik Willis for both Atlanta and Pittsburgh. Uh, Malik, Malik Willis would be good for Carolina. Though I think because he'll run for his life behind the offensive line, but uh, what's your thoughts on Desmond Ritter? Uh, you think he's the best quarterback in the class? Um, because that's definitely 
the tape to me shows that's what he is. Yeah, um, Desmond's one of the more polarizing prospects in this draft class just because of he, he was really inconsistent throughout his career, but he has 43 wins and 47 career games played. Uh, so he's the ultimate winner. He has the third most wins in FBS history of any quarterback. So he's proven that he can win on the collegiate level. He has the frame that you're looking for at the position. He's kind of built like Marcus Mariota in a sense. Uh, just kind of has that slinky build, very strong arm, understands how to get through and execute through progressions. That's plenty of speed. And I think he's one of the better dual threat quarterbacks in this draft class, but he, he's not as strong of a runner as Malik Willis is, and he's not as elusive either, Either, but he does have some of that long stride ability in order to score touchdowns in that aspect. They use him quite a bit in his own rerun game. He had plenty of runs like that against Notre Dame. He scored a touchdown mm-hmm. in that game too, uh, of where he was able to use his legs. So the thing that a lot of people are worried about with him is just the ball placement. He'll have a beautiful throw and then he'll come back and he'll dirt the ball throwing a swing pass to the running back or he'll sell it over his head. So just those little pockets of inconsistencies with his accuracy, I think that's the biggest worry about with him. But it wouldn't surprise me. I still think he's going to end up going in the first round. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if he goes like 20 to the Steelers. I think they like him quite a bit. Or if somebody trades into the back half of the first round, maybe that, that 30 or 32 overall, 31 or 32 overall in order to come up and get him. So. I still, I still think he's going to end up going. Uh, excuse me, I still, I still think he's going to go in the first round. I can't talk tonight for some reason. Um, yeah, but I, would I, love I still it think if, he's going to be a first round pick. Oh, for sure, I'd love it if uh, Willis went to six and Ritter went to eight. I wanted to sneak in one more real quick. We know that wide receivers, uh, it's crazy talent in the draft this year. What position has less prospect value this year due to that wide receiver talent being more so than usual? Said it, you think, kind of went in and out. What was your question I'm, again? I'm sorry about that. Uh, what what position has less prospect value this year due to the rise of the wide receivers in the draft? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, if I had to think of one position that's pretty weak this year, um, I think interior defensive line is a little bit weak. I think there's a bit of a drop-off after the second round, I would say. I mean, it's strong at the top with Devontae White, Jordan Davis. Um, then second round, you got like Travis Jones, DeMarvin Leal, Perry and Winfrey is another name. Logan Hall is another guy that's starting to catch some steam. But after the second round, there's a bit of a precipitous drop-off after those guys. So I think the interior defensive line, which is a position that Minnesota could look to address, especially after letting Michael Pierce go, they could look to get some help with Harrison Phillips and then also Dalvin Thomason, maybe for some depth purposes. Um, I think they could look to address that probably in the middle to late rounds, but it's slim pickings in those rounds with this group. Yeah, you got to wonder if uh, that's going to impact their decision makings in those first two rounds with those defensive tackles going out after that. Yeah, there's a lot of different directions. Absolutely. There's a lot of different directions that Quasi could go. Speaking of Quasi, um, in, in this digital Vikings community, we've talked a lot about how unpredictable this feels because there's no track record. And this is his first time doing it. So if he indeed pulls off some sort of shocker on Thursday night for the Vikings, what would that be in your estimation? If he does something we're like, holy crap, what would that be? Wide receiver. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't rule that out, honestly, just because I think he's one of those GMs that looks towards the future which is the right viewpoint to have. And I know with the way they have constructed the roster, they're really fixating on the now, but it wouldn't surprise me if they go ahead and get a succession plan in for Adam Thielen 
who struggled a little bit with durability. And then we know Justin Jefferson, they're probably going to have to give him a stake in the team for how much money he's going to come in <laughs> on the open market. So it wouldn't surprise me if they go ahead and try to get a succession plan in at wide receiver. Jamison Williams from Alabama is somebody that I think they could take a liking to. I think he would really fit in well with Kevin O'Connell's offense. Chris Olave from Ohio State or Garrett Wilson, either one of those guys I think would be really good fit. So I would go with wide receiver. It almost sounds like you wouldn't be shocked by that at all. No, it's just the idea. And okay. I kind of I kind of floated that out there today. I did a segment with Gabe Henderson, who's um, a reporter for the Vikings. We talked about that a little bit. And the more that I thought about it, the more it does make sense. I still think it's going to be a premium position, whether it's defensive end or corner. But wide receiver wouldn't surprise me as well. So now sticking with that, um, I know I had touched a couple months back on how the wide receiver market and how they're getting paid. Um, obviously you see it from Diggs most recently and then Adams and Tyree Hill, all these guys and the money that's being spent out to these guys where I definitely see the value of taking a first round wide receiver that has talent um, and hopefully not in that reach mold, like a Laquan Treadwell or, you know, willful or that, that draft where they all kind of knee jerk reaction, but there's definitely a lot of high end talent in this, but there's also in that second round, whether it's the um, North, or yeah, the North Dakota state kid, um, you know, some other guys, uh, but the name that if I'm looking at the Vikings roster now and going forward, obviously I think Jameson Williams is the best receiver in this class, but the ACL does have me worried a little bit, at least to get going. But the one that I look at, and maybe I'm looking a little too short term on this, that would fit in best with this current roster setup is Drake London. And that's because of his size and because of his ability to go up and get the ball, which really the Vikings don't have since Kyle Rudolph left. Now, Jefferson and Thielen are great players. Thielen, obviously, in the red zone as of late. Um, who do you think, um, I know you mentioned um, James and Williams, but as the best fit, maybe just not necessarily right off the bat, but down the road as Thielen continues to age, is that a Jameson Williams? Or do you see you know one of these other guys being a good complement to what J.J. brings on the outside? Yeah, I think the great thing about Jefferson is that there isn't a type of wide receiver that he doesn't have a good compliment for just because of how special he is. So I think you just have to think about some of the different roles that some of these guys can satisfy. Drake London, I think, would be a great fit as well. He kind of fits in some of those qualities that they're looking for at the position, too. And I think the hard part about predicting what the Vikings are going to do is that we don't have any previous tendencies to go off of just because Quasi's right. a new GM. So you're kind of trying to project what he did in San Francisco when he was there. Then also with Andrew Barry. So, you know, one thing that Quasi is going to value is age. And Andrew Barry has never selected anybody that's 23 years old on draft day. So I think he's going to take advantage of some of these younger prospects. Drake London is still only 20 years old. He doesn't turn 21 years old until next month. So uh, I think that's an area where he could look to value. And the same thing for Stingley. Stingley doesn't turn 21 years old until June. So I think both of those guys are definitely going to be very high on their draft board just because of the age factor and then also the production. But I'm really looking forward to seeing what Drake London can be on the next level. And I think you're spot on as far as what he can contribute, not only in the pass game, but also he does a lot of the dirty work in the run game too. And if you remember, the Rams require their receivers to inline block quite a bit. So I think that's an underrated value that he also can bring to the table too. So I, I honestly think London may be the first wide receiver gone off of the board. And, you know, just talking to some scouting buddies throughout the league after his pro day, all those guys said there's no way he gets past the Jets at 10. So um, he may not even get past or get to the Vikings at 12. We'll see what does happen with that. 
Bryant, um, can you recant your draft night story for anyone who may have not heard it last time we talked about it? Uh, we were almost late. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? I said how we were almost late to the draft. <laughs> I don't think I heard that part. Uh, <laughs> this is a new what, detail. Yeah, well, start from before, the top. Yeah. The night before, we were in New York. So there was um, David Carr, um, Quentin Jammer, Mike Williams, myself, and um, Julius Peppers. <clears throat> so we had to do like the whole little tour thing of every, you know, going around. It was right after 9-11, so we had to go, you know, to ground zero. We had to run the stock market bell, all those things during that week. And the night before, we stayed at the W Hotel um, in Manhattan. And um, I was friends with a popular uh, female rapper at the time named Foxy Brown. And she had a brother named Gavin um, who came and picked up me and Julius and he took us to like three nightclubs that night. And um, we got back like super late. <laughs> and security had a bracelet. They broke, I heard them knocking on the door. I was just not trying to get up. And they like basically broke in my room. It was like, oh my God, I heard the man say, oh my gosh. And I was like, I'm awake. <laughs> he thought I was like passed out or dead or something. But I was like, I'm awake. <laughs> I'm awake. So um, I got up and I got dressed. And I was the last person to get on the bus to head to the um, Madison Square Garden. But I looked around, Julius, Julius wasn't on the bus. <laughs> and, and I get there and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's still not here. Like, I said he got there like two minutes prior to like the draft even starting. Like, came oh, wow. in and we both like looked at each other like, you barely made it. He was the second pick. So it was like, you just got here. But, oh um, gosh yeah, we, we went out but the person was trying to just show us around so much but it was like yeah but we got to be up early because the dress started at noon back then you know so mm-hmm. it was like we're out to like four or five in the morning and <laughs> we were tired and i think they came to get me like around 10 or something like you know it was only you had like four or five hours of sleep and um you had to be back up and be dressed and i mean i got dressed I don't know why they couldn't. They they walked walked in my room somehow, and I had to latch on. So I don't know how they uh, how they couldn't get to him. But were you hungover? I was something more or less tired because I was traveling a lot too. I was in LA and I had did a show called The Best Dance Sports Show Period, and I went flew from there and I had to go to Scranton, Pennsylvania, to my junior college, and then they do the Jersey thing there. Then I had to come to New York, drive to New York, and then we traveled around to all these things. So by that time, it was like a lot of like wear and tear on you. And then we end up hanging out the night before and it was just like, just didn't get no sleep really. So it was like just tired of anything. Gotcha. Okay. Well, we'll get to part two yeah. a little later. <laughs> no, I'm glad we heard that. Cause I've known this man for almost two years. Never heard that one. I, I never heard Yeah. We heard about, uh, you know, getting on the plane or going out to eat and eating prairie afterward and all, all that. The oh, part, yeah. the part, the, the, the the sequel that we'll get to. Okay, I was say that basically after you get drafted, they send you to like do um, interviews and you get interviewed and they ask you a bunch of questions. Like I told you, they asked me at the time it was a new team, so they were like, well, "Who, who do you know on Vikings?" I'm like, ah, I don't even know. <laughs> Randy Moss, I think, I think you like, said, I think you said you had to get a map out to figure out where it was. No, I remember. I just thought about initially when they said Minnesota. I just thought about what do I know about Minnesota? And I knew. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I knew Terry, uh, Mary Tyler Moore show. Mm-hmm. And it was something else. Probably it was Prince. a third thing. Who? Probably Prince. Maybe oh, yeah, Prince. That's yeah. what it was in Prince. Mm-hmm. So um, 
that's all I can remember. I just had a, um, a college teammate that came for football named TJ Prunty, but he ended up playing baseball. He was from Minnesota. He always kept saying, like, you're running to Minnesota. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And I thought about him, too. Because I was like, he kept saying it the whole time. Well, he was right. Well, at least you didn't compliment the seafood like Kellen did. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. Oh, I can't wait to get to Minnesota. I heard they have good seafood. Yeah. Oh, love yeah. him. That's when we that's when we started our That's when we started our little walleye debate. Oh, I don't remember that. But oh you don't? Oh, I, I was trying to tell you guys that walleye was a delicious fish and you guys just laughed at me. You yeah, like seafood that. though, so that's not fair to <laughs> for me to give an opinion on uh on something that uh that I don't um indulge in. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, All right. Cody. All right. Cody, what do you got? Give us another question for Jordan Reed. Sweet. Uh so Jordan, what are your thoughts of James Cook fitting with his brother up here in Minnesota? Uh do you think that he fits in this offense decent as a pass catcher? Uh do you think he could fill anything more than that? Or just be a straight up fill in for Dalvin whenever he's not available to play? Yeah, I think he'd be a great fit. I mean, he's one of my favorite players overall in this draft class, and I've said it repeatedly. I take him in the second round. I think they highly of James Cook. When you're just talking about the totality of his skill set from what he can do as a receiver, you can put him in the slot, you can split him out wide, then also you can use him in the backfield too. And there's a lot of tread on the tires too, just because he played in a committee at Georgia, and then they kind of used him as a receiver. The Michigan game, if you're just trying to get a feel of what he can do. That first game in the college football playoff, he did everything that you want to see from as far as a three-down running back. Does have some struggles in pass protection. I think he needs to clean that up quite a bit. But as far as when you're talking about what he can contribute as a three-down runner, I think he's everything that you want in the position. So, like I said, I would take him in the tail end of the second round, early third round. Um, he's very high on my board. He's actually my third-ranked running back behind um, Kenneth Walker the third, and then also Brees Hall. I like him that much. Nice. Yeah, I've been picking up a lot of James Cook. I actually have him. Hopefully, we get him in the fifth round. So, I mean, I definitely feel like he's going to go much higher than that now. (laughs) But uh, you also get like a team chemistry plus two for having brothers on the same team, right? Absolutely. Let him wear 33 and all those people who got those jerseys don't got to worry about it. Yeah, we're all happy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jordan, I want to ask you kind of an entry-level question that I've always been curious about, and I want your take. So so Monday morning hits, the sports books, the Vegas odds, all of a sudden have Trayvon Walker as the odds-on favorite to go number one, one overall. So that type of thing, or the fact that Kyle Hamilton could fall all the way down to 12 or 13, where does this steam and smoke come from? Is it agents? Is it whispers from GMs? Is it bullshit? What is it? So whenever like a big name media person comes out and says something or they release a mock draft, that's usually when the the odds on or sports books really kind of alter a little bit. So I think it was Peter King. His column came out Monday over Trayvon Walker. He had him going number one overall. And then I think he had some other guys slipping. So Mm -hmm. Peter King's a very big name in the industry. So that's obviously going to change the odds quite a bit. So whenever you see somebody like that come out and say something or release a mock draft, that's usually when you see a lot of different pendulums swing in different directions. Is the idea, because, you know, mock drafts, unless they're predictive, you know, are almost are, are just kind of a crapshoot, like, you know, the draft in general. Is the idea that Peter King knows something that the rest of yeah. us don't? Okay, I see. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's pretty plugged in. Peter's very, very, he's been, 
around the block a long time. Like he's been doing this 30, 40 years. So he's not just going to put stuff out there just for the heck of it. He talks to people before he puts stuff out there. Okay, fair enough. Ron, what's your next thing for Jordan Reed? So Jordan, you mentioned earlier um, that the interior of the D-line kind of gets weak after the second round. Now, I'm one where the way on the Vikings, um, I obviously want either uh, Stingley or Gardner because I think positional value and talent level, um, I think that you just can't miss there. And then also Hamilton's the kind of in that third one where, again, positional value with what we have you know, have a need for, uh, but a guy that I've been clamoring for that if we, if they're, if those three are gone at 12, that would be enamored. If we, if we take is Jordan Davis. Now I know the knock maybe on him is that he might be a little Vince will fork in him where it's strictly a two down type guy, but I'm looking at, and this goes back to, you know, what I've mentioned with McKinney in the past. It's like, you can't teach size, you know, when you're six, six, 350 pounds or whatever it is, and he can move as well as he does. Um, I see a lot of potential in his pass rush just because he's close to the quarterback. You know, he's not comparing him to Aaron Donald, but quickest way to the quarterback is right up front. You saw that in the, the last few Super Bowls when um, the Chiefs got annihilated up front and then Joe Burrow obviously got pressured up front. Um, so where do you, what are your thoughts on Jordan Davis as far as um, his, his fit with the Vikings, but also positional value at that 12 pick if the Vikings were selecting there? Well, I will say this. I think he's one of the more misevaluated players and misunderstood players in this entire draft class just because everybody's so hung up on him not bringing a lot of third down value, but it really lacks context. So he played on 18% of the third down snaps a year ago, but Georgia has an interior defender in Devontae Wyatt who's going to be a first-round pick, and then they have one next year who's probably going to be a top-10 pick. So his name is Jalen Carter, who's very, very good. So I think it's a situation of where they just had some players that were better at penetrating and getting to the quarterback of where they just didn't need Jordan Davis on third downs. But when he's forced to play third down on the next level, I think he's going to bring plenty of value there just because he doesn't have those two guys in front of him now that provide that better value. So I think it's a situation of where you would take a chance on that type of athletic player with that type of profile and then that size of eventually figuring it out. But there's so many different things that he does that doesn't show up in the box score just because he's eating up those blocks. Um, he's doing so many things to keep the Kobe Dean, Quay Walker and Channing Tindall free. That's always not going to show up unless you dive into the film and exactly see what he's doing to help those guys out. So if you just evaluate him on the surface, as far as looking up the stats and things like that, you're not going to be impressed with him. But if you dive into the film, and just see everything that he's doing for that Georgia defense, that's where his value lies. So, I mean, I would be a huge fan of the pick. I like Jordan Davis a lot. I think he's my 12th or 13th overall ranked prospect right now. And even though it's not a premium position, I, I would be a huge fan of the pick. I do. I like hearing you echo that because that's <laughs> what I've been saying all along. It's, first of all, he's going to make it easy on Kendricks and, uh, and Jordan Hicks in the back. Uh, plus, hey, they've got this whole name thing going on. And as I said, Jordan Hicks, now it's, you know, they can have Harrison and Harrison, you know, get <laughs> Jordan and Jordan and give, have all that. But uh, yeah, so I'm glad to hear uh, someone who actually dives into the film um, <laughs> echo that. Hey, Jordan, on the Vikings existing roster at free safety, there's a little bit of a question mark. I think we're operating under the pretense that Cameron Bynum will be the starting safety next to Harrison Smith. Do you believe that is more likely that he is the guy or do you think they would they would draft somebody in round two or somebody that they think is awesome in round four and start him or do you think it's Bynum's job? 
Well, I mean, they're not just going to give it to Cam, even though I think Cam is probably going to be one of the bigger breakout candidates of this season. I, I think the world of Cam, the way he played when Harrison went down for a little bit last year, um, he had an interception in one game. I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. what it was, but he played really well. Yeah, the Ravens game. He played really, really well. Really, really well. I was hoping to see him get some more opportunities, but they had Xavier back there too to handle some of the free safety stuff. But for him to come in like he did, being a former quarterback, cornerback, and then contributing or switching to safety, and just how quickly he was able to pick things up, I think that just speaks to the world of his smarts and then how well and how quick, quickly the game slowed down for him. So. I think he's going to be a starter next year, and I think he's going to be one of the biggest breakout candidates just because in Ed Donatello's defense, it's all about the, the edge rushers and then also the safeties just because they use them a lot in run support. And one of the better things about Cam is just how reliable he is as a tackler and then also the ball skills that he does have. So um, I, I think they're still going to draft a safety. I do expect that just because the depth isn't overly great there. But I think Cam's going to be one of the bigger breakout candidates of this year. And that makes sense that you would – uh, predict or endorse that because otherwise they probably would have started to, you know, get a free a, a safety by now in free agency, even though they didn't have tons of money. But it seems like just by default that uh, Bynum must be at least projecting to start because it was one of the few spots on defense where it's not a, you know, it's Miles Dorn, Josh Metellus, and Hitman, and that's that's about it. Yeah, I mean they have to bring in somebody and just because I mean Dorn is probably a special teams player. Harry's getting a little bit older in age, uh, but they they did give him what well, the last regime gave him a new contract, but he's not getting any younger. So I think they have to think about some type of depth behind him. Amen. So I, I do expect them to draft somebody probably in the later rounds. Okay. All right, BMAC, um, you got to fill us in on this Zoom call. Oh, um, <laughs> they asked for the uh, players from the 2000s area, era to be on the call. And, um, who was on the call? <laughs> you had, like, he sounds uh, like a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> you had um, Ben Lieber was on there. You had uh, Jared Allen. You had Mike Bennett. Um, and who, who were the two most important? What, the GM Kevin. and the head coach? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were, you were burying the lead there. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they were on there too. Um, they were just kind of asking um, again about our like expectations, which I feel like they're very, for some reason, this is the first that I feel like um, coaches, GM, and everybody has had these calls. I mean, ever since I've been going, we've never had no calls or anything like this um, about their concern and, and want to hear our input and how we feel. And they also kind of want to have some type of like mentorship. They want guys to come back and, and, and talk to some of the guys. Wow. Like, it almost reminds me of, like, they're trying to create a University of Miami type of feel. <laughs> <laughs> Which wouldn't like, be bad, like, just based on... Like, you know, mentor guys and, and, you know, give them tips on just how to be a professional if they need any advice, things like that. So it's basically almost like an open-door policy to, and inviting guys back in and, and making it like a family. Hopefully oh, you're not so wearing cool. any dolphin swag or raven swag when you're on with them, but <laughs> oh no, no, no. <laughs> oh, if, if they've if they've never like so they've never done that before, that might be a crazy thing. It, it is because remember he did it when he first came, and then mm-hmm. um and the head coach wasn't we didn't have a head coach yet. Oh, that's right. And then um this is our second one, so I feel like it may be a crazy thing. That's awesome. It actually ties into kind of everything he said in his press conference where he tied everything to collaboration and kind of 
um, tying that into his analytical approach where analytics can be more than just the math of how fast someone runs or whatever, that type of stuff. It could be, Hey, you did it. Obviously you did it in your era. Like what, what, what did it take you to be successful in that era? Right. kind of putting everything together? So I'm glad that he's actually putting the, the boots to the pavement, so to speak, and actually not just saying what we want to hear. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of fans who have no idea like that interaction that you had um, it has taken place, but it's kind of mm-hmm. good that um, that it is out there because Aaron, mean, Henderson, Aaron Henderson was on a call. Um, there was a player, I forget his name. There was a player that I played with, with at the Vikings. He works for the Vikings now. Um, I forget his name. He works, I guess, in the front office or somewhere for them. Yeah. But yeah, he had a few different guys on the call. Okay. Did John they ask, was on the call. Did they ask yeah. you who you, you want them to draft? <laughs> We talked about, I mean, of course, everybody kind of said their position. I was saying offensive alignment, like different people <laughs> kind of were saying their position. So that's kind of how that went. Oh, okay. Well, that's awesome. That, uh, Ron, what you're talking about today, it reminded me of his Quasi's press, press conference or his, his chat today where he talked about the collective nature of this pick. And he actually said in the soundbite, this isn't my pick. And that's like, maybe, maybe that's how it is all over the world. But to actually say that out loud, I was like, I had to reread it, make sure I was on my trip. Overall, when that call, a lot of people were saying a DB, um, <clears throat> I want to say a DB, and they said, a, they mentioned the Ed, 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 maybe it was on defense, it sounded like, from what I got. It was like a DB, an Ed Rusher, somebody might have said a linebacker. Those those were I kept hearing over like overall. I mean, I said offensive linebacker. But for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, it was DB, a linebacker, or edge rusher. No, no, no. Matter of fact, it was a certain D tackle from Georgia. Somebody had called out like a, a D tackle from Georgia, and they, they, you know, wanted him. Okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. All right, Cody, let's go one more round. What is your final question for Jordan Reed? Hey, Jordan, I was wondering, do you play dynasty football? Just real quick. No, I'm not a I'm not a dynasty or fantasy guy at all. I always forget to I always forget to set my lineup, so I just stop playing. Man, we got to co-own a team together. You draft, I'll set the lineup. But uh, for real though, uh, what is the one homer pick at wide receiver and kind of like those mid rounds? Or if if I was doing a rookie draft off a of talent alone between Alec Pierce, David Bell, and Justin Ross. They're all kind of in that mid-draft range. And they all have some good things on each other. Which of those three would you recommend I leave all my rookie drafts with, regardless of landing spot? Uh, I probably would go with Alec Pierce, just because I think he's probably going to be an instant type of touchdown score, just because of his skill set. He can go up and win at the catch point. That's one of the better parts of his game. David Bell didn't test overly well. Mm-hmm. Um, so he may he may have some athletic limitations on the next level. And then Justin Ross, you know, the medicals with the, the spinal cord situation and also the foot. So I don't know exactly where he's going to end up going or if he even gets drafted at all. So that's just the tough part. You think Justin evaluation. Ross? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say I don't know where Ross is going to end up going. So I would go with Alvin Pierce. Yeah, you, you definitely think Justin Ross falls way farther than David Bell from that medical. Yeah, uh, David Bell. So. That combine, I mean, I was thinking he could be a top, uh, maybe round one or round two receiver, but now I don't know if he goes maybe until the fifth. Yeah, it's going to be tough. 
Well, leave appreciate it, it. Leave it to Cody to snag some fantasy football advice here on Unbelieve in Vikings. It's 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 on brand for him. I, I am I am on one of those rookie drafts that's before the NFL draft, so it's all about talent. You know, oh, who has a chance to potentially go highest? And Alec Pierce, he's he's a sleeper for me, but he reminds me of Dan Dan. What is it, Dan Chesina? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's not a very very favorable comp for me. <laughs> All right, Ron, what's your last thing for Jordan Reed on the Tuesday before the draft? Well, Jordan, obviously, um, being two days before the draft, I'm sure this is your uh, busy time of year, especially with um, with your network and everything that goes on with that. Now, how much of this, um, as far as the analysis and everything that you do leading up to draft, how much of it does it impact, or I mean, sorry, how much does your fandom impact anything that you are putting out there. Like, I mean, obviously I'm, I know you are professional. You have your ways of separating that, but are there things that you look at slightly differently be, being a Vikings fan? And as far as what they, what you would like to see with them versus kind of what you you predict and they would do, or you kind of just have to look at it from two different sides of the coin. Yeah. I think you have to look at it from two different sides and I've always been good with taking my fandom out of things and just looking at it from a realistic perspective, especially when you're talking about the Vikings, there's so many different things of where they could go, but I try to think of put myself in Quasi's shoes of exactly what he could do. That's why I think I expect the pick to be a premium position or possibly a wide receiver, just based on some of the regimes that he's been a part of. Everyone that he's been a part of has been a premium position, um, whether it was, you know, Nick Bosa when he was with the 49ers and then a couple corners and also Miles Garrett during his time in Cleveland. So there's so many different things of where he could go or different directions. But um, I've been good with I, I've never been somebody that's gotten attached to players. The only player I've really gotten attached to was Randy Moss when I was growing up. That's who made me a Vikings fan. But outside of that, I've never been somebody that's gotten attached to players. So that's why I've always been like um, not too knee deep in my fandom as far as with players, because, I mean, those guys could switch teams in an instant as we all see. So um, that's how I've been able to control my fandom and just kind of see it from a bird's eye view and put myself in the position of the GM and try to just address what they would do. And then what realistically makes sense moving forward. But you're attached to Chris Paul in the NBA. Is that correct? Yeah. So Chris Paul is actually my God brother. Oh, okay. He's one of my, oh. Yeah. He's one of my closest friends. Oh, okay. So oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. You're anti Scott Foster too, then I take it. <laughs> yeah, he's not a huge fan of Scott Foster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, the very last question, Jordan. Uh, our listeners would skewer me if I didn't ask this, so bear with me. Uh, give us your prediction for the Vikings pick, the, whether they trade back or stay put. What do the Vikings do on Thursday night in the first round? So I think they're going to try really, really hard to trade back just because I think they want to recruit some, recoup some picks that they lost, uh, especially the Chris Herndon trade in the fourth round. Um, but I think they want to get some picks back from what where they lost. But if I had to pick one player that I think would be an A-plus, it would be Derek Stingley, the cornerback from LSU. Um, but I don't know if he's going to be there. But if he is there, I think that would be a home run selection. Them recently hiring back. Uh, LSU's DB coach and defensive coordinator last year, Durante Jones. He's back. Patrick Peterson with the LSU connection and just the natural mentorship that he will have with Stingley. And then also, of course, with that being a position of need, I think that would be a home run pick. Um, but if I had to give another, it probably would be Jamison Williams, the wide receiver from Alabama. I think that could be another 
player that could be a bit of a surprise selection, but it makes a lot of sense. So I think it comes down to those two players at number 12 overall. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that Williams one, it, it's delightful. It's surprising though. Um, but when you put it in context, the way you did, I can certainly see it. Sally, any closing arguments for the group before we log off and do the draft in two nights? Nope. You know, I'm just so relieved that the draft is going to be over the stress, <laughs> the anxiety. Thank you guys for not making me do a mock draft this year. Um, really appreciate it. And thank you, Jordan, so much for taking the time, especially two days before the draft. That's so cool of you. So thank you. Actually, I do have, if you don't mind, one last question, because it's a name that I've seen a lot. Um, and it's a name that I've kind of fallen in love with, but there isn't really any deep dive analysis on what what people expect of him and where they expect him to go. But Tariq Woolen, the 6'4 corner who runs a 4-2-6-40, like where is he expected to go? And what are your thoughts on him as a player? I think he'll probably end up going in the second round. Um, he just doesn't play as well as he tested, if that makes sense. He's a really, really big corner at 6'4", 200 pounds, but he's a bit stiff in his movements. But, I mean, anytime you're that tall and then you run a 4'240", you're going to get the attention of scouts. He's a former wide receiver, so he has the ball skills that you love to see at the position, but he's just the ultimate project. And he does make me a little bit nervous as far as taking them early day two. I would feel comfortable taking them probably round three. I'll feel more comfortable there, but there's going to be somebody that falls in love with him. Coaches always love those projects and BMAC, you can attest to this whenever they can get their hands on that, that multiple piece of clay in a sense, they're always going to be fans of that just because they feel as if they can see the long-term view with those guys, as opposed to what they are right now. So I think there's going to be a team that falls in love with what he eventually can turn into as opposed to what he is right now. Coaches just love the challenge of just testing those guys and me and just helping them reach their max potential. Yeah. Cough, cough, they, they Seattle like able, Seahawks. <laughs> and they like to be able to say they, they had played a part in the development of that player. There you go. Well, the Vikings exactly. had success from UTSA. Obviously that was John Randall's school before it was UTSA. And then David Morgan, um, it came from there. So um, we'll see. All right, we will be back. Uh, thank you to Jordan once again. We'll, we'll hopefully have you back a year from now. Cody from Texas, thanks for joining. BMAC will be back uh, normal time a week from Wednesday to break down this draft class. All right, everybody. All right. Thanks for joining. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you. Later. Have a good one. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.